2: Post your free job
0: on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
3: Can you see it? Did you notice? notice.
2: Check, but the punt comes right to Pedersen, who
1: tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! The moment's notice,
0: I don't I <laughs> cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. By, hold my Just wave the guy and
2: get Demko involved. I'm one of them in and down. Wow. Really? We should do a radio show
1: together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Burl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. <laughs>
2: Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation Presented by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing A ton of crazy beers coming out right now, it's that summertime, you're getting the summertime beers We'll get into that in a little bit My name is Chris Faber, and thank you for joining us this week for episode 79 of the Canucks Conversation The Michael Furland episode, some people might say Uh, Joining me now is my co-host, David Quadrelli Quad's big week, buddy, it's been a big week Big, big
0: week This is the Judd Brackett episode, not the Michael Ferland episode
2: (laughs) This is the Judd Brackett episode um, A lot going on, a lot being leaked uh, Whether it be, we don't know where it's coming from Some people have thought maybe it's Judd Brackett leaking it even at this point You know, like he's got to get his term out there a little bit But Satyar Shah, Matt Sikaris, Patrick Johnson, uh, Ben Kuzma, JD Burke These guys have all been releasing some stuff that's come out in the past little bit here It's just been an up and down crazy wild week for Judd Brackett So I'll just... Uh, I, I'll just open up for your opening thoughts here, Quads. Like, what have you thought throughout this week as it's been going by?
0: <laughs> well, when the week started, I was like, uh-oh, why did I accept the managing editor role at Canucks Army in the middle of a global pandemic when no hockey is being played? Like, that that might have not <laughs> been the best idea, I was starting to think. And then this happens, and now all of a sudden, I'm planning a content strategy, and I'm figuring out, okay, who's writing this? Who's writing this? And now we're in a whirlwind, and I couldn't be happier. Like, i am I'm enjoying the new role, and it's uh it's 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 crazy that this is all happening this week because like you said there was a little more than just judd Brackett. like the the twitter war just came to an end and i man i just keep thinking to myself like i wish botch were here to see this because like dude he is built for this like oh man we saw the goldie wars that was nothing compared to this like (laughs) <laughs> oh man, I, I, you know, I, you know, obviously we miss them every day, but just on days like yesterday and today, and really this next like m- couple months or so, this market's gonna really feel the loss of Botch for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yesterday, this week has been the like, like the perfect week for Botch. A lot of people have tweeted that out, and I think even the way the situation came out yesterday with JD Burke and the large cast <laughs> was just like the thing that was so funny because like I was like, okay, I'm gonna look back because obviously. You know, Jason Bochford must have a tweet for this, right? So I look back <laughs> and I search up Jason Bochford, take the L, and I search that in my Twitter search. And it took me so long to find a tweet because Botch probably said take the L like 150 times in a tweet. Like oh, there's God. 150 different tweets where he's saying take the L. Uh, and that's simply what they weren't doing uh, after JD Burke was proven correct with his sources, uh, proven at least right. Um, so just. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time, uh, interesting day, and it was an uh, apology day on Twitter. I think is what people are calling it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like that in the end, everybody's like everybody was a good sport about it. Like especially like uh, uh, what's his name, Gulzar, uh, Golden Boy Gulls or whatever. He um, yeah, he he was a good sport about it. I like that. He was because uh, when JD put out that video of the, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Man, I can't say it with the straight face but on that patio that him and Justin have is beautiful. Okay, I commented on the patio, it's awesome. Uh yeah. that that slow pan from Justin and that video with JDU with the America bandana <laughs> on and a cigar and a drink in his hand was like that was so good. Like it was so funny and like, you know, uh Gulzar pointed out he's like he's like okay, that video is like a work of art and he you know, real recognize real.
2: Yeah, it was it was well placed. It was well done. <laughs> was uh, the so content, good. the content house over there, uh, as they call it, uh, some good stuff coming out of them for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was talked about a lot that obviously the the situation with Judd Brackett was, you know, it's it's out in the open now, and I think that we're almost at the point right now where the the thing that you can assume from hearing all the stuff that's come out is that you know it doesn't sound like Judd Brackett's going to be back with the Vancouver Canucks. To be honest, that's what it feels like right now.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. And like, I mean, the one thing I will say about this situation is like, if there's one thing that everybody on Canucks Twitter can agree on, it's that, you know, we all love the team and everybody wants to see them win a cup and be great. Everybody has different ideas of how they can get there. That's where the whole Canucks Twitter beef comes in when you get these two sides and everything like that. So yeah, everybody has a different opinion. I get that. And I think another thing that a lot of people could agree on at the same time, at least Up to a month ago it seems Was that Judd Brackett is really a very important part of this organization Now there's people saying oh well he's not that important And you know we can get into that later for sure But I mean if there's one thing we can agree on It's that the scouting department is good And I think that's why this frightens so many people Because the most success that the Canucks scouting department had Came when Judd Brackett had the autonomy that he's going for right now So that autonomy was taken taken away now, and you look at it and you think, okay, like, this relationship is starting to get frayed, and if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. You know what I mean? And I mean, if your fix well, is John Weisbrod, like, I mean, yeah. definitely don't try to fix it. I think the thing that you said there is, like, if, if it if it's not broke, don't
2: fix it. But also, if it's the best thing you have, promote it and put it into a situation where you want to rely on it more, right? That's the way I look at it, because I and, feel like... I feel and like if you're exactly just taking it away, did. yeah, yeah exactly. they, they're taking the it away, did. right? That's, that's like, the thing that freaks me out. I they think They promoted him. Yeah, they promoted him for a reason. They should be giving him that type of role because he's obviously had a lot of success in it in the past. The The Canucks haven't drafted like this in probably their existence of being an organization over the past couple of years. Hitting players like Elias Pettersson that you know a lot of people thought they reached for. Guys like Niels Huglander. I mean, we haven't even seen... Some of these guys pan out yet, like a like a Huglander or Pod in. But you know, obviously Quinn Hughes is an easy one. That lands there, they have to take that pick. But even like I tweeted it out, I tweeted out a poll from two years ago, and I think he only got like thirty three percent of the vote. You know, like a lot yeah. of other people wanted Bouchard, a lot of people wanted Wallstrom at the time. You know, there was options for sure. And it didn't you know it didn't seem like the Home run pick that Quinn Hughes actually was When he landed there at seven a lot of people Had him as a home run pick a lot of people Like I know Cam Robinson is one of the guys uh, Great draft prospect guy um, Had him at third I think on his dra- draft board or maybe even second but you know like Those guys knew it was a home run the guys that do really good Job scouting know he's a home run but A lot of people were, were still in love with the big Right-handed shot like Evan Bouchard Or you know and then Oliver Wallstrom was The other guy whose name was thrown out there a little bit And like it's I think uh, Dobson as well was the other one But I mean like Yeah, the, you can't take away Your best asset of your organization When you look at some of the other stuff in the organization It's not going so well Like pro scouting's not doing great I think over the past little years it's been good But I mean looking, if you think that John Weisbrod going to be the guy to come in and step in <laughs> as the director of scouting Like a lot of people are, are thinking about right now They think that might be what's happening That is just such a bad move It's such
0: a horrible move well, I mean, you just have to look at track records, right? Like, you know, this isn't a knock against, well, I guess it is, but it's not a personal attack on John Wise, bro. It's it's a knock against his scouting ability. Like, we all yeah. know the Travis Jankowski story. And for those that don't, I'll quickly quickly brief Mark. it. So Mark, well, what did I say? Travis. <laughs> is there a Travis Jankowski in the league? I don't I've think never, there is. No, I haven't heard. it. Sounds like I've a... definitely referred to him as Travis Jankowski like 5 times in the past like, 24 <laughs> hours. Wow. I'm glad I did not yeah. that. Mark go Jankowski. off, though. Go off. Go off. We all know the story. You're about to. I can we hear your voice raising up. You're about to go in. <laughs> Other than his first name, everybody knows who Mark Jankowski is. So what's happened here? He was a player that John Wisebrod detailed. He went through a snowstorm to go scout him when he was with the Flames. And he drafted him, a guy who was projected to go in the second, late second, early third round of that year. Wisebrod takes him in the first round with, I believe, it was the 24th pick. Okay, and then he says... I think this guy's gonna be the best player in the draft. All you have to do is look at who else was in that draft and who came after Travis Jankowski, <laughs> Mark Jankowski. <laughs> All you have to do is look at that, and it's a huge knock. On Wise I'll correct you again, he was record.
2: 21st overall I think, 20th oh, or 21st
0: Even worse, okay, it's all right, anyways Hey, and I'll be your editor more.
2: on the podcast, you be my editor On Canucks Army
0: Yeah, exactly, I'll edit all your articles, <laughs> you edit all my takes Anyways, <laughs> then there was the whole Jay Bomister debacle where he couldn't flip them Into anything of substance When the Flames were in their rebuild Like, mm-hmm. this isn't the guy you want Running your amateur scouting department It's just not, like, no. you have somebody That you do want to run your amateur scouting department In just Judd Brackett right in front of you And now they're like no you know what I really think John Wisebrod Is going to be the guy and you know what I think it all starts because him and Benning just get along and I mean I guess you can't really fault him for that I know if I was running an NHL organization I'd want somebody who agreed with everything I said At my left hand like Or my right hand I'd want that right away Like I get that but you have to Think for the betterment of the organization And right now that is keeping Judd Brackett where he is Give him that power that worked. Like, it worked. I don't understand why. Like, we've talked about it. Benning has a lot on his plate as a general manager. He's going to have a lot the next two off-seasons. He's got to sign Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes next year. Their ELCs are up. This guy's work workload is going to be full. Like, his plate is going to be overflowing here. Like me, with a nice plate of lasagna. He is going to have a lot on his plate the next two seasons. I don't understand... Why he would want to add drafting to that. Like, we've talked about the focus of this organization. Elias Patterson turned it from rebuilding to competing. Listen, the Canucks Canucks window is probably opening right now... And the Canucks shouldn't be focused so much on drafting. The GM should be focused on how to get players like JT Miller, how to get players like Tyler Toffoli, how to surround his young core that he now has with talent that can actually help this team win a cup. Because that's what they're playing for. They're not playing for good draft picks anymore. They're playing to win the cup long term. That's what needs to happen here So I just don't understand why a GM would want more power when it comes to that And more on his plate, more responsibility When he could be focusing on other things Like I think Jim Benning and the Pro Scouting Department have done an exceptional job in the last two years Finding JT Miller, finding Josh Levo A guy we'll probably talk about later because he's been a topic on my Twitter as of late I'm a Josh Levo truther, everybody knows it So They've done an exceptional job with that I don't understand why you want to put more on your plate As a general manager When what you have right now is working You have a guy who can find you talent in the later rounds He showed it, he got Tyler Madden, Aiden McDonough The list goes on, later round picks I don't understand when now you're trading away your picks As you should be when you're starting to compete Why do you want to get rid of the guy whose scouting department has helped you find all these late round diamond in the rough picks? I don't understand it.
2: Yeah, and I think the way that he has made those picks has been a little bit different, right? I feel like the players that he's drafted, you see him go after guys from the USHL that might be an overage player. You know, like I think of I think of Jack Rathbone, that's a different pick. I mean, that pick for like Jack Rathbone wasn't supposed to even go in that draft to a lot of people. They get him late. He's going to be a guy who I think is going to be in the conversation for the NHL in the next couple of years. Another good example is a guy like Tyler Madden, who would have thought that he would have you know, at the small, small size that he was putting up low numbers in the USHL in his final year. Like he's doing a drafting type that, that, you know, if Judd Brackett is the one behind these picks, which I think he is because he's the guy who made his way up through the Canucks organization scouting guys from the US. Like when I see those guys, I know, okay, this is probably Judd's specialty going out and getting these guys. And I think that the scary thing for me is what you mentioned there was like Jim likes John because John agrees with Jim, which hurts my head just to say that sentence. But I mean, those guys that are working together in the same organization. Working together doesn't mean agreeing on everything all the time, I think. I, I know this just with you and putting out content and putting out you know articles and podcasts. Like We don't agree on everything, but I think that that's a good thing because we, we can see like, oh, hey, I think this is a good idea. Like, you'll tell me something and I'll say like, I don't know, that's not a great idea. Or I'll give you an article idea and you're like, no, maybe you should do this instead. And I think that's what makes the best product in the end. I know that's to a very small degree of running an NHL team, but <laughs> you know Ray Ferraro talks about it a lot. And Ray Ferraro isn't a guy who's been in... And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to bring that back to say Ferraro should be an AGM, even though I still think it's a good idea. Uh, his ideas are great. I think that the way that Ferraro has talked about it, a guy like Mike Gillis has talked about this a lot. You want to have as many different opinions, as many different strong opinions in a room at the same time. You know, that's, I remember hearing Gillis talk about wanting to have four different assistant general managers mm-hmm. to go along with his general manager. Because having guys that are at that high level, if you're an AGM in the NHL, you've obviously worked hard to get to that point And you have a good hockey mind. Uh, Unless you're John Weisbrot, apparently. But if you want to have these guys working together, it's not great to have them agreeing on everything. I think bringing up the negatives in certain situations is a smart thing. And I just don't know if they're getting that right now. And the idea that, like... Like, man, I was thinking about this this morning. Like, how crazy would it be if John Weisbrot becomes the GM and pushes... Jim Benning down to the scouting director like that's what I feel like could happen just from how the situation's playing out like not not realistically but it like if it was a Game of Thrones version that would totally be happening right now because Wise Broad has little fingered his way straight to the top and he's just kind of like pushing out guys in this situation and and losing Judd Brackett and losing Lawrence Gilman and losing Trevor Linden who could have been used in great situations in great ways for his Vancouver Canucks team moving forward now you don't have any of those guys if you lose Judd. Like, who else is the guy that's moving up through the Canucks organization that we haven't heard about? Like, I'm sure they're doing great stuff. Hell, the video work has probably been a shitload better with, with Ryan Beach in there. Because Ryan Beach does a great job with that thing. And, and having players like like guys like that in your organization are great. But if you're just letting go of guys who are doing the best, it's it's just a it's a bad look. It's a bad idea. And, and if if Broad's the scouting director in the future, man, it, it's going to drive me insane. And it'll drive Canucks Twitter insane. Canucks Twitter will lose their mind when this actually happens. They're they're losing their mind about the idea of it <laughs> happening right now. If he do lose Judd Brackett, it is going to be nuts. Like, what's what's Judd Brackett as underrated on Twitter going to do? Like, what Judd that Brackett was uh, underrated. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a mess. Like, it's it's an absolute mess. And and I think that a lot of people in a certain part of Canucks Twitter, I've been saying this for years, and we're seeing it fall
0: apart right now a little bit. It's oh, like. I hate to say it, because I know a lot of people are legitimately, like, stressed out about this, but I find it so entertaining. I live for this stuff, man. Oh, for sure, yeah. I'm planning content. I'm, like, loving this stuff. Like, this, this is awesome. And I mean, dude, how freaking crazy... Crazy would it be? Because okay, here's the thing: we know Trevor Linden felt like he got backstabbed when he left the organization amicably. Okay, and then uh, Jim Benning was asked about that, and he 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 pled innocence. And you know, Jim Benning doesn't seem like the backstabby type. But you know, who didn't say anything was John Weisbrod. So who knows? Maybe John Wisebrod <laughs> just goes on a backstabbing spree. Gets gets promoted to GM and it's all an elaborate plan to keep Judd Brackett in his position but get rid of Benning. Just turn everybody against Benning, backstab oh, Benning, and then oh my gosh. Dude, what if John Weisbrod just wants to get hashtag fire Benning trending on Twitter again? I bet he's Ugh. Uncle Elite. That's my that's my <laughs> hot take of the day.
2: That's your hot take. Okay. Yeah, I think that it's it comes down to Weisbrod and I feel like the the like would it not I don't know, it's tough because like you want to have an AGM you want to have a guy who can work with your general manager well and right now like aside from from wisebro is there another AGM is is there isn't there one more is Chris gear no um I swear they have another AGM I'm not 100 percent sure but anyways like looking at the way that it's working you want something that can make discussion in the end that's what I feel like and I just think that it's not happening right now I I, I mean, Botch was on this years ago, right? Like, Botch was on this years ago yeah. about Wisebrod. I think he's the one who started calling him Littlefinger first. I mean, like, for and for people that don't watch Game of Thrones or haven't watched it, I'm sorry. There's there's a few references there that you might not get. Uh, but he has, I mean, like, it's hard not to believe it when all the reporting was coming in the past couple of years and then you see another flare-up about mm-hmm. Wisebrod this year. That's the only thing that kind of that makes me think about it.
0: Yeah, uh, to answer your question, yes, Chris Gear is AGM of the Vancouver Canucks. He's also right AGM, and that was
2: yeah. those. Those are the only two, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, I thought so. I mean, that's what I, I always thought that it made sense to have Judd Brackett as the AGM, and then like him as the scouting director, covering everything from scouting, whether that be you know professional and amateur. Like I'm not sure right now the role if he does much professional scouting. Um, I, I'm sh- I'm sure he has like a part in it because he's obviously got a great hockey mind and can find talent. But I I think that that was probably the situation that I thought I wanted to happen all year long was give judd the extension, give Jud the AGM role. I think that makes the most sense to me. Chris Gear is the money guy, right? Like you're starting to assemble a team that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah, you have Chris Gear who does your contracts, deals with the money. You have Jud Brackett who does the Scouting whether it be Professional or amateur He does all that You have John Weisbrod Who agrees with everything Jim Benning says Like it's It's a freaking You need like It's almost a situation That Gillis talked about Of having four GMs And maybe Maybe there is another Hockey mind that can come Join on and I just think That we've heard it Thrown around and JD Burke had a really good hit this morning Again on Friday Saying that you know Like they were asking him Hey like would not make Sense to have a president Who could come out And speak against What people are saying About the organization And I think that you know now more than ever, you need a you need a president. And the hard thing is, like, they're telling the truth, right? Some of this stuff that's coming out is obviously true. When there's this much smoke, there's probably a fire somewhere. And we're seeing that in the management group right now. And I think that having a voice of someone similar to Trevor Linden, but not Trevor Linden. And it can't be a guy like Stan Smeal. It can't be a guy who's, <laughs> you know, been around the organization. You need an actual guy who can come in and lead an organization. Like, you need the type of guy who... Maybe he's from a different sport You know, a guy who's been able to run a president As, or sorry, work as a president For a professional team That's a job that not a lot of people have done But if you've done it, you understand what you have to do To be in that situation, and you know that you have to be An absolute leader of the organization It just feels like right now in the front office With what Ru- Wisebrod is doing Like, Jim Benning should be the leader, right? He's the guy who's sort of taken the role as president After they let go of Linden, he said It just does not feel like that at all Like, it feels like right now the president is John Wisebrod And he's just Kind of overseeing people from what I see
0: Yeah man this is like I love this I love this stuff Like even just talking about this like gets me Going man like it gets me going Man I'm 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 excited to Be like in the position that We're in like where we have the platform to Write about this stuff and talk about this Stuff like dude it gets me going Like last night yeah. was <laughs> just an iconic Day in Canucks Twitter history And I was there for every second of it And it was just like oh it was just awesome, like I live for this stuff Chris.
2: <laughs> it was it was definitely a lot of fun man I know that, you know, without any hockey going on Like I wonder, like I, I saw a tweet the other day And it showed, it was like power rankings by team's Twitter following And the Blackhawks were number one They had like over 2 million followers or something on their Twitter And I was like, man, I wonder if Blackhawks uh, Twitter is crazy So I'm like looking up like Hawks Twitter, Blackhawks Twitter, Chicago Hockey I'm looking up all these hashtags and people tweet it there's nothing anywhere, and then like I just feel like if anyone else is like looking over here at the Vancouver market like on a random Thursday <laughs> in May when there's no hockey going on in a pandemic, and we're freaking the hell out about everything, and oh, guys nice. are sipping G and Ts and smoking cigars while taking dunks on people, like it was oh. it was a crazy day, and I don't think there's any other any other place like Canucks Twitter out there, man. I'm so happy to be here. I think it's it's so entertaining, so and it's, good. It's getting me through the pandemic for sure,
0: and I just, I just want to, I just want to put a message there to anybody who's listening and is on Canucks Twitter. Whether you identify yourself as a Benning bro or a Bitter bro, you think both of those terms are stupid, as I do. Whatever yep. side you're on of the arguments on Canucks Twitter, like you're a part of it. And, I, dude, like it's no question that the Canucks have the smartest fans in the in the NHL. Like, there's yeah. no question. Like. People people always be like, oh, well, you know, other organizations think we're so stupid. It's like, yeah, because some people burn down the city when we lose a cup. Like, yeah, some people are stupid. Sure, I'll give you that one. But when it comes to an understanding of the hockey operations side of the game and all of that stuff, like the salary cap, like who else is arguing about the director of amateur scouting? Nobody! Like, it yeah. wouldn't happen anywhere else, but it's happening in Vancouver. And again, that's a testament to like guys like Jason Boschford who gave fans that inside look and made them a part of it and helped them understand everything that goes on behind the scenes. And now we know all that stuff. And now it's like, that's, that's the bar that everybody meets now. Like, Everybody, it feels like mostly everybody has, like, a decent understanding of analytics, and I don't think you can say that about fans in other fan bases. But again, like, I will say it again. Like, even the guys who I disagree with on Twitter, the guys that are repeat offenders of having just horrid takes, like, I think they're some of the (laughs) smartest hockey fans in the world. Like, even those guys. That's what I'll say. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think so. And you bring up a really good point about how Botch, like, almost set the standard that we that we as Canuck fans want now, right? Like, he set the standard of what reporting should be. We're seeing all, a lot of these reporters try and step up to that level. Like, seeing what J.D. Burke did this past week and hearing those radio hits, and and I know, like, we've talked to him about this. Like, I really think Botch would have been like, hell yeah, J.D., you're doing God's work right now kind of thing, right? Like, yeah. like we, we just know, like, the relationship that they had, uh, seeing what J.D. was able to do this week, I thought was... You know, great reporting, first of all He did an incredible job getting his sources and stuff And some of the radio hits Like, that was some of the best radio hits I've heard Dude, uh, yeah. In a long time And uh, that was, you know, props to JD for that He did a great job riling up the Canucks Twitter spear. And that's the thing, like, you bring it up Like, I saw people commenting on it Like, when, when people from other markets were coming in And I saw, like, I would be reading tweets all day yesterday And I just saw people, like Oh, like who's Judd Brackett? Like what's the situation going on? And then someone would reply, Oh, it's like if Canucks got, Canucks director of scouting. And then like the next reply was like, Oh wow, I'm a I'm a Canadians fan. I don't even know who our director of scouting is. It's like, yeah, we know. Like Vancouver Canucks are fans are crazy. We we like to investigate into everything. Exactly. And I think some of that does come from the mentality that Botch had. You know, like he would investigate the hell out of this situation right now. And I think that I think that the situation that we're left with when he passed away was people now having to step up. And like, look at the reporting that, you know, Patrick Johnson did this year when he found out about the the Jacob Markstrom injury. I mean, that's incredible reporting that no one else was digging up. And I think like that's the type of stuff that, you know, we would start to get the whispers out from Botch. And Botch would always be the guy telling us what the whispers behind the scenes were going on. And and just I'm just I'm just proud as hell from some of these reporters, like, and the way that they've been carrying the flag. Because it's gonna be impossible to give us what Botch gave us, but like, I think he'd be pretty proud seeing uh, what some of these reporters have done in the past year. Absolutely. Well, we'll wrap it up there, I think. Let's uh, let's throw to our ads. Um, got the good folks at Parallel on here. Zephyr and uh, Manscaped, which is the video I'm going to be working on soon. Maybe that'll come out sometime next week.
0: Oh, man. Uh, people,
2: people will enjoy that, I think. So uh, we'll throw to an ad. We'll see you guys on the other side. We're actually going to talk about... Some Canucks players I guess on the other side So we'll see you guys right then And I just want to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor Of the Canucks conversation That's right folks Parallel 49 Beer They are out there on the streets On the front lines delivering beer straight to your doorstep uh, If you want some more information About the delivery service They're doing it all through Vancouver, Surrey They're going out to Abbotsford They're doing a ton of deliveries So you don't have to just be in East Van to get your Parallel 49 now uh, And I was just recently at the BC Liquor Store And I had to pick up some Apricotopus um, uh, Their newest beer I hope I pronounced that right But I probably didn't But uh, the new beer That they come out with It's an apricot sour It was absolutely delicious If you're into sour beers at all I recommend checking them out But if you want some more information On the delivery service Or how to pronounce Apricotopus Uh, Check them out on Instagram at Parallel49Beer. They'll answer all of your DMs or there's some information for how to give them a call or email them. So go check out Parallel49Beer.
0: Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for sports cards and trading card games. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. And now, join them for Thursday night breaks at 5pm Pacific Time every Thursday and be a part of an epic case break experience. Purchase your spot on ZephyrEpic.com and watch the live stream on twitch.tv slash ZephyrEpic. And for all you Canucks Conversation podcast listeners, you can save $5 off your purchase with the code CanucksConvo. Some restrictions apply. Follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Fellas, Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth while you or your partner are playing with them. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls, thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0 with cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Yes, you. Heard heard that right get 20% off and free shipping with promo code Canucks at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code Canucks make playing with your balls the best part of your day thanks Manscaped and a big shout
2: out to our three sponsors obviously the presenting one with Parallel. go and try some of their new beers Zephyr still got a bunch of deals on hockey cards and uh, that Promo code Canucks convo on Manscaped. Uh, check that out. Your balls will thank you. I think that's their saying, actually, too, isn't it? It is, yeah. Okay, if not, it's, if not, it should be. Uh, but uh, we have a lot. We talked about a lot of stuff in the uh, in the first segment there about Judd Brackett in that situation. I think that's going to be an ongoing conversation over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, the fun thing that we do on this show is actually talk about Vancouver Canucks and the players that are actually playing the game. Uh, there's been a little bit of conversation over the past little bit, and I know that you want to air some stuff out, Quads, because uh, Rick Dollywell was the one who put out uh, his article talking a little bit about Triampkin, and that conversation just won't die. And I know that's one that you want to die, Quads, because yeah. you're so tired about talking about Triampkin, uh, the tall, tall defenseman playing over in the KHL. Not really a lot of progression. I've seen a decent amount of his games this year. I'm not going to say I saw every game, but I saw close to 10 of his games. He looked like he was not even really playing in a top four for sure. It looked like he was playing in a bottom pairing, playing... 11 minutes a game and not being Very impactful at the KHL level but people Believe that he could come over to North America And be an impact top 4 player for the Vancouver Canucks your thoughts quads Well
0: what are they basing this on they're basing This on watching him playing in 2016 which was like the worst year For the Canucks it's when they drafted Elias Pedersen because they were so bad This was the season that people are basing this off of He was an okay defenseman Who showed a lot of upside on A very bad Vancouver Canucks team Then he jumped ship and went away When the Canucks were trying to develop him He admitted himself that if he Had stayed he would have been better off Because the Canucks wanted to develop The parts of his game that are weak But now he's 25 Going to be 26 when the season starts And those skills are still weak And they have a guy knocking on the door in Brogan Rafferty In the minors who wants a shot And I just man like I don't want this guy against the Cap hit and that's the problem like Rick Dollywell put out today, as you mentioned, a thing about Jack Rathbone, Judd Brackett, and uh, Nikita Triamkin, and his thought on Triamkin was, the Canucks are holding off because they don't know the salary cap yet, Uh, yada yada yada, that's why the Canucks are holding off, and he said, but it doesn't have to be a big long term deal, likely one year in the 2-3 to million range. Are you kidding me? Not Rick Dollywall, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? People think this is actually a good idea? Signing this guy to a 2-3 to million dollar deal? People I trust that watch him extensively, again, like the J.D. Burks of the world... They say he's not even worth 200000 in an NHL locker room <laughs> Like, this guy sh- has no place on the Vancouver Canucks If he's going to play a depth role, you take that in heartbeat I've said it before, I'll say it again, that's my take If he's willing to go to Utica and you can call this guy up in the event of injury You're silly if you don't do that You're absolutely silly I'd say he's about at Ashton Sautner's level if- of play So, as a depth option... For sure, you take the six foot seven guy who can skate pretty well for his size. The problem with Triampkin isn't how well he can skate; it's his positional play in the offensive zone and the defensive zone. He pinches when he shouldn't, and he is always lost in the defensive zone. Like, if you want a comparable, just look at Eric Branson, but imagine that just a little bit worse. You want Erika Branson on this team's third pair? No, you don't. So why do you want Nikita Triamkin? You haven't watched this guy play, admit it, since 2016-17, and he hasn't improved since then. That was when the Canucks were at their very worst. Erika Branson was in the top four of that team, Chris, and now people are, like, calling for this guy to come back and be the team's saving grace. I do not get it, especially at that cap hit, when you have a guy like Josh Levo, who's a good middle six winger and can improve your team, he's, Better than Michael Furland He's better than Brandon Sutter He's better than Antoine Roussel And people are like No, for- Levo's gotta go And I get it I get that the Canucks have depth In the forward positions But when we look at weaknesses of this team It's the blue line And it's the bottom six The bottom six needs to be restructured a bit Josh Levo helps with that It doesn't even have to be Josh Levo though Forget Josh Levo for a second If you're gonna fork out $3 million It should not be on Triamkin It should be going toward Jacob Markstrom Tyler Toffoli These guys that you Have to get signed To make your team Successful Like they should How about defensemen be- How about Troy Stetcher And Chris Tanev Exactly Exactly There's problems on the D That already need to be fixed Like Triampkin is not the solution here. And I've seen people say, oh, well, they can just let Stetcher and Tanev walk and bring Triamkin in. It's like, no, that oh, can't happen. God. Like, we are screwed if that happens. Like, the Canucks are going to be in big, big trouble if they lose Tanev and Stetcher. And their replacement, their knight in shining armor to come save the day is Nikita Triamkin. It is so bad. Like oh man i'm I'm fired up right now though with the past like twenty four hours on Twitter man like I put out that tweet about Triankin and levo and the three million whatever intentionally trying to stir the pot and it worked and I got into some really good debates with people like uh, I don't know his name he his his name on Twitter is just like a fist bump emoji. We had a great back and forth in dms but uh it was dude like i I said it like five times on this episode like dude, I haven't been this involved with the Canucks in like a while, like actually like. This involved on Canucks Twitter And dude, like, I live for this shit, man Like, I love this <laughs> I love this Yeah, counterpoint though, Quads He is tall
2: He is tall, you got me there, Chris He is yeah, tall he Most definitely is tall I think that we've talked about this at length And the best situation for him to win everybody over Is to go to Utica And be effective in Utica Work his way to the NHL His at 3 point million? of view Hell no. His point of view (laughs) is not the same as that, you know? And that's the way that you can win over guys like you who have been against him for a long time at coming over at the million dollars that he wants and the situation that he wants is not going to happen, right? But the way that he can win over a guy like you who's been anti Triampkin for a while is that perfect situation, right? And that works for you, right? Like that, we've talked about this in the past. That would work for a guy. Who is uh, you know anti Triampkin, which a lot of people aren't. I agree. I know what you're saying. Like a lot of people on Twitter want him to come here. A lot of people want to see him succeed. A lot of people think he will succeed. Okay. Well, Harmon Dial has an article coming out pretty soon about that, right? Like I, I don't know. I think he's tweeted about it. If he hasn't, I'm sorry. But it, he's got a, he's got a Triamkin article coming out, and uh, some of the video that he's included is stuff it that is you know is ridiculous. It's horrible to watch. And I know that other people have watched a lot of him too. You know, like Cam Robinson's a guy we brought up in this episode earlier. He's watched a lot of Triampkin. Talk to these guys about Triampkin. Talk to the people that have actually watched him play this year. He's he's not effective at the KHL level. Maybe he would be better in a smaller rank because of how tall he is. And I think that looking at what's coming out with Triampkin here, there's not a lot of upside Coming over with Triankin He hasn't improved in the areas where he needed to at the NHL level You're right he can skate But like you see Tyler Myers sometimes When the puck's in front of the net And like he just not He doesn't have that quick stick to get it out Like a Troy Stetcher does or a Quinn Hughes does Like Tyler Myers almost struggles when the puck's at his feet Because it's so far away from his head Like it's the same situation with Nikita Triankin But it's almost every time The puck is in the defensive zone Like from the games that I've seen from him like a man I've watched a lot of Olio Levy this year okay and like there's a time where Olio Levy makes great passes makes great outlet passes there's times where Olio Levy fumbles the puck in the zone when he's trying to clear it when he's trying to get a pass out he flubs a lot of them I watched a decent amount of Triamkin like I probably watched about 60 minutes of Triamkin's ice time this year not a ton but I've seen at least 60 minutes of him play I struggle to see one or two great breakout passes. I think this guy would lead the league in icings. He probably does in the KHL. All he does is ice the puck on his breakout passes. His shots get blocked every time. Because he'll fire a shot with a guy standing right in front of him. It's... It's not a move where he's going to come over here and be effective in the top four. It's it's not, it's not the move. Oh I gosh. man, I talked to Brogan Rafferty this week for people that I've been tweeting about it. The article that's coming out uh, on Canucks Army looking for Monday. I think we're going to try and get it out. Um, like, I talked to Brogan Rafferty. Hey, what are your thoughts about when, when people were coming up in, ahead of you to play the left side? Because for people that don't know, Brogan Rafferty played all of his NCAA career on the left side. He knows how to play the left side. He mentioned that in a conversation I had with him that he's learned exactly the situations where he has to act different on the left side from playing it in college. He played a little bit of it, uh, played a little bit of the right side in NCAA, but he was mostly used as a left shot guy. He told me that he understands where he can play on the left side and be effective. So, He's a way better option on the left side than Nikita Triamkin is. He's a better option as the seventh defenseman. He's a better option in Utica. Brogan Rafferty's ahead of him. We said that Ashton Sautner's probably ahead of him. And Ole Olevy, like if he's able to come back and be healthy, he's a better option than Triamkin too. So if you get into next season... And Triankin is Even in Utica Is he the first guy That gets called up Does he get called up Ahead of Brogan Rafferty Or Olio Levy Or even Ashton Sautner How like Guillaume Brisebois If he's having a good year In Utica Which I expect him to Because he's going to be Using a top 4 role And take another step Like It almost makes sense Just to cut bait If somebody wants to give you A 5th round pick For Triankin That's a decent move For me right now
0: Yeah that's what I'm saying Like there's gotta be a market for this guy, right? Like, unless people listen to this podcast, unless all the other GMs listen to our podcast. But, dude, like, I've gotta give Benning credit. Like, this is good that he's playing hardball and he's not going out and, like, signing this guy right away. Like, this, like, they have very little pull at the bargaining table. Cause Triumph can, can just say, oh, remember, I'm gonna bolt back to Russia again. Like, you know, like, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. And again, like, another thing I think we need to bring up is Travis Green the last coach in the league who just gives out ice time to players who yeah. think they deserve it. And there is no way that Triamkin is going to be a player that Green trusts right out of the gate. There's no way. It took Quinn Hughes a month, and Quinn Hughes is an exceptional talent. It took him about a month to earn his coach's trust. Triamkin's not going to do the same. No, he's not. And like listen, if he was if he was
2: progressing and he was playing top 4 minutes at the KHL and being an effective Top four defensemen at the KHL, I would have time for it. You know, if Nikolai Goldobin, who I love, goes to the KHL and tears it up, I'll have time for him. But if Nikolai Goldobin goes back and plays on a fourth line and plays 10 minutes a game, doesn't get any power play time, doesn't do anything, I'm going to have to give up on him. And I think we're at the point right now with Nikita Triampkin where you're at that point. You know, we're two years ahead of what Goldobin might end up going to do here in the KHL. It's time to give up on Nikita Triampkin.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And again, like, I- to all those saying like- To all those that are still hanging on to this hope That he can be effective I get it, I get it You watched him in 2016 He looked like he had upside The Hockey Night in Canada panel was talking about him all the time Like, he was the only talking point of that season Bo Horvat was the Canucks' leading scorer that year With 20 goals The Sedins didn't hit 20 Horvat, who was I think 20 or 21 at the time Hit 20 And Triampkin and Horvat Were the big talking points of that season It was really the only thing you could be positive about about Other than the tanking efforts of Tank Commander Willie That was all you had on that season I get it, I get that you want to hang on to Triamkin, he looked like he could have been Something, but here's the thing He didn't become anything When he was in the KHL like, he, hasn't he's not t- he hasn't progressed, he hasn't progressed at all he Hasn't progressed the way he could have if he stayed With the Canucks, so yes, that ship has sailed, and I think a lot of fans are having a lot of trouble letting go of this player. Like, he is not good. Believe us on this.
2: Yeah, you know what? Like, prove me wrong, right? Like, I would love I love the attitude of a player, like, like I mentioned. I'm going to talk about him in a second here, but the way that Brogan Rafferty talks is the prove-me-wrong mentality, right? Triamkin's not prove-me-wrong situation, and I don't think that he's going to prove us wrong. You know, I'm pretty confident in that. I don't think he's improved enough to be able to even set himself in a situation to be able to prove us wrong because he's not would- going to come over here for that low rate. If he wants to come over here at $2.5 million to play one year, like the Canucks have 20 mil projected right now in salary cap. That's before you sign Jacob Markstrom, before you sign Tan Everstecher, before you sign for Tannen, Toffoli, Mott, you know Tyler Mott, Adam Gaudet. Like these players that are actually going to help the Canucks next year, these people need to be what you're worrying about with the $20 million in cap that you have, not spending one-tenth of that on a guy who might make the team. You know, like what if that? What if that happens? What if they sign him for two million dollars and he doesn't make the team and he's rotting in Utica or he goes <laughs> back to the KHL? You know, and that two million dollars is hitting us on the cap. Like we already have to pay for goddamn Luongo being an executive on another NHL team. We have to pay for Sven Berchi in the AHL making two point two nine after after like the the drop that he has from his contract being in the AHL. We have to pay for Ryan Spooner next year. Why the hell would you want to add Triampkin for another million dollars on top of the cap? Like it's. It's a horrible situation to put yourselves in with the cap and the situation it's at. Like 2020 21 is the season where, you know, that's the last season where you have Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson on their ELCs. So it's like the last time you can make a stupid gamble on a guy like Nikita Triamkin. But it would be nice for them to be ahead of it and not make that gamble in the first place, unless this guy wants to commit to the motto of trying to prove us wrong. Because that is the only situation where I'm fine with Nikita Triamkin coming over here. If he could prove us wrong and prove a lot of Canucks Twitter wrong and prove a lot of Canucks fans wrong because like you mentioned people like Triamkin you know like they liked what they saw that season that he played 60 or 50 whatever games that he was in and they liked what he could bring but man nobody liked that Canucks team because they sucked they were one of the worst teams in the NHL at the time and that's why Triamkin was a guy who was playing on the 5-6 On that defense because he wasn't able to make the top four on one of the worst teams in the NHL. Why would he make the team right now at the Vancouver Canucks if he hasn't progressed and this team's defense has improved vastly since that time?
0: People have to understand though, like when we say this stuff, man, I don't like... I can't speak for you, I guess, but there's nothing more I'd like to see than be proven wrong by Nikita Triumphkin. If this guy comes in and has the camp of his life and he's like, no, I learned positioning over the summer. Dude, that's awesome. Like, if this guy actually comes in and can be effective, oh my gosh, that would be so good for this team. Like, so good. And obviously, you and I want to see the team succeed. Like, we want the best for this team. And I would love that if he came in and did that. I don't think it's gonna happen, which is why I'm worried. Like you said, with 20 million free, you're gonna put all your chips in on Nikita Triamkin, who you're not even sure is gonna make the team. Like, again, like, this would be a shock to everybody if Nikita Triamkin came in and had a great camp and actually earned a spot on the team. Like, earned it, not was given it because he's making that kind of money. And again, like, is this the last straw? Like, that, that's that got to be close to the last straw for actually Akelu- yeah, oh, for sure. to Benning, right? Yeah. Like, I mean. Oh, yeah, if yeah. You, yeah I mean, if you give two and a half million to a player and then you bury him in the minors, like, before the inks even finish drying on the contract, like, that's got to be toward the last straw, right? He won't, Which is, again, he won't go
2: to the minors, though. That's the thing. He won't go to the minors.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's that, too. But again, like. That's got to be close to the last straw, right? Like, Aquilini was pissed when Gagne got buried in the AHL because it's just money yeah. on his books, right? Like, he's yeah. got to cut the checks here. So, I mean, it's got to be toward the last straw, right? Again, which is why I think that, pl- that has to play in to Benning's decision to not rush to sign this guy, which I get. And again, a thing we have to keep in mind is in July, that's when Nikita Triumkin can start deciding if he wants to go back to Russia or not. And I mean... Man, I I don't know what's gonna happen here, but again, like I don't think the Canucks would be wise to give two million dollars to this guy, and I just I don't know, and like it's weird because Benning's playing hardball, but when I hear him talk about him, like it's it's the same old stuff. It's he's big and he can skate. Yeah, but you know he you know he has deficiencies in his game, Jim. You know it. Like I know Jim knows it, and I just need him to admit it on air. Like that's all we need to hear. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm worried I, I'm a little worried that they're going to overpay for this guy I am Can I talk about Rafferty? <laughs> of course
2: Okay, Because I'd rather talk about a defenseman who is going to make the Canucks next year uh, And the, the article that I wrote uh, I've been working on it for Canucks I've been working on it for a long time And I got to speak to Brogan Rafferty earlier this week uh, And he's the guy that we should be talking 15 minutes about in our second segment Not Nikita Trihamkin Because Brogan Rafferty I think is going to make this team next year. I think there's going to be a spot for him when one of it opens up because like we mentioned with the cap and Triampkin, with $20 million in cap and Markstrom on the books for it, and I think a lot of people are starting to lean to the point of Toffoli is going to be signed now. Like I think if you were to say out of Chris Tanev, Troy Stetcher, and Tyler Toffoli, a lot of people probably want Toffoli the most, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah, with you on Yeah, I think that. from
2: that group. And I think from that opens up the path for Brogan Rafferty to be the third pairing guy next year. Um, so yeah, I spoke to him and I just hearing the confidence from this kid. It's something that we talked about when we had him on the show. I mean, the thing that you and I always joke about is like Brogan Rafferty was so confident. Like he, even his bachelor takes were hot. Like his, (laughs) his takes about the bachelor were incredibly well thought out. He was confident in his opinions. Uh I think that he even said that he wasn't allowed to compete in the Utica like bachelor draft cuz his like his his takes were like too well informed or something. Yeah, cuz uh, his
0: fiance <laughs> has all the spoiler accounts and tells yeah. him all the spoilers.
2: <laughs> so he was like and I got to talk to him man and and just some of the quotes that come out it, like came out of here. I could have I could have used every single quote that he said probably in this article, but I I have them here in front of me. I have 619 words that I'm going to include in this article that are strictly quotes from him. Uh but one of them stuck out because a lot of them a lot of people that think about Brogan Rafferty think about the stats, right? They look at his stats and they say, okay, he can, he can produce. He can produce offensively, obviously, at the AHL level. He was the third highest scoring, uh, defenseman, one of the top rookie scorers in the AHL. He's an AHL all star. He can, he can play, but a lot of people are going to say, like, his defensive side is the thing that gets, needs to get worked on, right? Like, Corey said that on this show in the past, and I've gone back and watched tape now, and, like, I've said it about him in the past year. I said, maybe there's parts of his defensive game that he needs to round up. But from just strictly focusing on him on the tape that I've been watching over the past two weeks here, like he is—he is incredibly smart on how he defends. It's something that that I fell in love with when watching Victor Soderstrom uh, in the SHL level a couple years ago before he got drafted. Like mm-hmm. his head is constantly surveying the ice around him. He knows where his man is at all times, and that's something that you know I think Canucks fans have seen over the past couple years, whether it be in Eric Branson or the way that Tyler Myers is in front of the net. They tend to lose their man a lot, right? Or they tend to lose that positioning that gets them between their man and the goaltender. It was really tough to uh, to find situations where that would happen with Brogan Rafferty. Uh, and I asked him like about his defensive game, and this this quote I absolutely love from him. Uh, so this is from Brogan Rafferty it says: "So I think part of the reason why some people may look at my defensive game as a liability is because there's no room for that argument on the offensive side of my game this year." They don't have an argument for the offensive side, so they try and find something on the defensive side that they don't like. I think I'm a well-rounded defenseman, and I take pride in my defensive game. I continue to work on it every year, and I think every season that goes by, I've adjusted, watched video, asked the coaching staff and other players what I need to do to get better on the defensive side of the puck. Every year I see progression, so I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I love that quote. I love hearing him say something like that because he's confident in not only his ability, but he's confident in the progression that he's making, which is complete opposite of what we're seeing from Nikita (laughs) Triampkin. to tie it back to that.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, totally. And you know who that sounds like? That quote sounds like it could have come from Quinn Hughes too. Because at the start of the year, oh, Quinn Hughes is small. He's not going to be able to defend NHL players. And Quinn Hughes, the whole time, I'm confident in my defense. I'm confident in myself. What do we see? Him play just fine defense, arguably one of the best defensemen the Canucks had this year on the defensive side of the ice. Yeah, exactly.
2: And I think that that takes
0: what Brogan
2: Rafferty's talking about, or what you say Quinn Hughes talks about. It, it takes you to be able to look at yourself on video, look at yourself in the mirror, look at the way you play the game, and say, that needs to be something that I can do better, right? It's not that that I do is okay, and I'm I should be in the NHL level, which is what we're what what I'm assuming you're hearing from Triampkin and his yeah. agent. You know, we hear, like, his agent, Todd Diamond, right? That's his name? Yeah. Yeah, so we've heard him on 1040 say that, you know, Utica's not an option. Right? Like, why not? <laughs> why not? Like, we just saw what Rafferty did this year, and Rafferty oh, yeah. has won Canucks fans over to say that he deserves a spot on the Vancouver Canucks next year. That door is wide open for Triamkin to do. He's just not going to do it. That's why I think that this argument about him coming to the Canucks is... Is pointless Oscar, Fant- Oscar Fantenberg's a better defenseman Jordy Benn's a better defenseman Brogan Rafferty's a better defenseman Ashton Saltners a better defenseman And a healthy Ole Levy is a better defenseman So if he's not in the top 10 of the depth charts For the Vancouver Canucks Triamkin's not coming over here to play hockey For the Vancouver Canucks
0: Yeah, not a chance And you know, we talk about having a big camp And that should be enough to make the team And like, oh Triamkin can win everybody over But dude, like Brogan Rafferty's campaign To start winning fans over Started at Training camp in preseason like he was one of the Last cuts because of how well He played like Brogan Rafferty looked Right at home t- this year In preseason like against oh, yeah. NHL Competition for the most part He looked right at home like I was thinking I'm like holy cow I know they Just signed Jordy Ben and like All this stuff but man like Is Brogan Rafferty going to make the team like What are they going to do and I know they Kind of constructed their team in free agency And there was no room for a guy like Brogan Rafferty to really make the team And again like I would say he's like the Adam Gaudet Of defensemen in that way In the sense of he had a huge preseason And the Canucks should Probably should have made room for him But I get, again like I know Brogan Rafferty Really wanted to make the team last year And he was a little upset I think That the Canucks went out and signed who they did uh, But again like I think this year B- Jordy Ben's one year into his deal Oscar Fantenberg's deal's up He's probably not going to get re-signed Again like the doors open for Rafferty this year, and I think if he just has the exact same preseason that he did this season, next year, he's for sure going to make the team. I think he was an early cut, though. I don't know if he was one of the last cuts, was he? No, he was one of the later ones for sure. Like I know really? Josh Tanne. He only had was... one
2: one preseason game. What? No, he had to have more than that. One preseason game, and he scored in it. Uh, is what I that. got here in front of me. No, he played. But, more than uh, that. But I I thought so too Maybe they have Maybe they don't count The split squad games But I'm seeing like Four from Godet. I'm only seeing one For Rafferty But he scored in it You know like this year, and that's something that I'll get into in the article a little bit more. But he says it's a failure if he doesn't make the team this year, and it's not a failure on anybody except for him. And I loved hearing him wow. say that because he's ready to be accountable for it. You know, wow. like he, like he is the perfect type of player that you want to play in that role. He's won Canucks fans over already, and I think that Canucks fans will start to fall in love with him, similar to how they have with Troy Stetcher, because I think that this type of guy is exactly the type of player that the Canucks have been drafting over the past couple of years, who eat, breathe. Eat, breathe, and sleep thinking about hockey Because this is the type of guy that you want in your locker room To push you into a winning mentality And I think that that's the guy that we want He's also, you know, like, just a great human as well I think from talking to him and stuff And, you know, I, I think that he's got his mind on straight Especially with all this crap Which, you know, we'll get into after Corey's hit uh, About Brendan Leipzig as well We're going to talk a little bit about that But I think just hearing... The way that Broken Rafferty speaks, and you know, we we talked a little bit about his personal life before we actually started going to air. Uh, you know, and his fiance was in the car with him for the full interview as well, and it was it was just cool talking to those two guys, uh, those two folks, uh, as we were moving uh, through the interview. And I just think that yeah, like he's the type of player you want in your organization, whether it be on the ice and off the ice. Uh, and there's a ton of great quotes. I'm gonna have a, a big article coming up on Canucks Army, so hopefully you guys check that out. Uh, and it's been a big week for you as the other too. You've had uh, you've had some fun. I know you mentioned it earlier in the episode. Uh, I gotta start screenshotting these snapchats that you send me though because like <laughs> I don't know anybody that takes so many selfies with that close to their face as you do <laughs> quads and they're always you like stress the hell out so the yeah, pictures it are absolutely my hilarious. Emotions. Yeah, I think oh, if man. there's ever like a, a 55 image leak that's going to ruin your career, it's going to be from me, and it's going to be me sending all little <laughs> selfies of you because some of these pictures, I, I tell you, like, I need to start screenshotting these because they're yeah, absolutely Yeah, The captions hilarious.
0: are like, Chris, I'm so stressed out. I'm writing an article <laughs> yeah. right now why I'm stepping down as managing editor of Canucks Army two <laughs> days after I took the job.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll get into some some other stuff on the other side. Uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to add on Rafferty or anything
0: on Triamkin you want to close out with. Well, they're just polar opposites, and I think it's pretty clear which one is the positive end of that spectrum. Yeah,
2: yeah, I completely agree. I think in the end, like if you go into it as a guy who's not played in a ton of NHL games, like you know, Triampkin's had the one three quarter season, uh, Rafferty's played a couple games in the NHL both of those type of players are in the spot where you have to prove us wrong prove us wrong that you are an hl player because you obviously weren't there last year you weren't there the year before you know you guys are at similar ages uh brogan rafferty's younger by the way but like these guys need to come in and prove the nhl wrong that they should be there right that's what they have to do they don't have a spot earned brogan rafferty doesn't have a deserved spot on the Vancouver canucks right now like he doesn't unfortunately he's had an incredible season in Utica. But you know what? There's players that have played in the NHL for years like Chris Tanev, Troy Stecher, Tyler Myers, Oscar Fantenberg and Jordy Benn that probably have more of a right to the Vancouver Canucks roster than a guy like Brogan Rafferty does right now. It's it hurts to say but it's probably the truth. You know, like Brogan Rafferty needs to come out and earn that spot and I think the quotes that you're going to see in this article are going to show that because I think he is going to go do it and uh, I expect him to be on this Canucks roster next year. When I don't think we'll be talking about Triamkin, though.
0: Oh, can't wait for that day, but exactly like <laughs> I think Triamkin would be the first to tell you what you just said Or Triamkin, holy cow, Rafferty would be the first to tell you what you just said About having to earn a spot Like, he wants this, and I, like mm-hmm. I said, I think he's going to go get it Yeah, um,
2: we're going to throw to our Ride in the Bus segment here uh, with Corey Hergott It's, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different one uh, Corey obviously had you know, and people know this. It's it's out in the open. Corey has a good relationship with the McEwen family. Uh, it started with Corey coming in and covering the Comets the same year that Zach made his debut with the Comets. Uh, he's given him the big the big fella as his nickname. Corey's got to attend Zach's first NHL game with the McEwen family. Um, it, it's it's going to be difficult because uh, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Canucks fans know this. Craig McEwen, uh, father of Zach, passed away earlier this week uh, after suffering a stroke. Um it's it's gonna be a tough conversation to have, but I think the perfect person to have this with is Corey, and I think the way that Corey talked about it this week with me was uh, you know, he's he's been in conversation with the McEwen family and he said that, you know, anything they would have wanted in the end, they wanted him to celebrate the life that Craig had more than anything. Uh Craig obviously was a huge impact on Zach McEwen who's made it to the NHL and that's every parent's dream, right? Is to see their kid play in the NHL. Uh he got an opportunity to do that, so um, I haven't recorded this conversation yet with Corey, so I'm not sure how this is going to go. But I, I just have a feeling that Corey's going to be able to say it better than anybody else. Um, so yeah, let's get to run the bus right now with Corey Hergott.
3: ice, got it forward. Nice move, McHugh, and into the goal, and he scores. What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake.
1: Uh-huh.
2: all right guys joining us now it's time for the recurring segment here on the canucks conversation it's time to ride the bus down to utica with cory hergott Corey, how you doing today I'm doing okay today, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's It's been a busy week and we're going to get into some things uh, later on in this conversation. But I want to start with something that I have been working on all week and we've been talking about for the last uh, 10 minutes before we started recording. And thought we should probably get some of this on air. Uh, I want to talk about Brogan Rafferty a little bit. Uh, I got the big article coming out this week. Uh, looking like Monday it's going to drop. And... Something that I wanted to start with you and I want to get your opinion on it was, I guess, the only knock that we can really have on a guy like Brogan Rafferty is the defensive game. And something that I had in the conversation was just hearing the confidence in him. Um, So what would you say to people that look at him as just an offensive defenseman from seeing him play all year long?
3: Well, I, I think his offense, I've been saying this all year, his offensive instincts are, uh, they're right up there. They're very, very good. Uh, so there's uh, there's not a really a whole lot you can say negatively about that side of his game. Um, the defensive side of his game, um, I've said it uh, all season long, uh, he, he took uh, great steps forward at the start of the year. We were seeing kind of unforced turnovers in his own end, uh, you know, when he was maybe pressured a little bit more than uh than he was prepared for we 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 would see those uh those turnovers and uh those were this that was a side of his game that that I wanted to see improvement from and uh through the course of the year we did see great improvement in that by the end of the season or by the time the season was uh postponed canceled i guess we'll find out monday they're going to probably tell us it's canceled uh which is expected uh but by the time the season wrapped up those uh those those sorts of errors were fewer and further between, so I think it's uh, you know he's one of those guys that uh, does what he has to do to improve his game, and uh, and we've seen that from him, and that's that's a player that I'm really looking forward to seeing taking a step forward next year. I do expect to see him pushing for a job out, uh, with the big club out of camp.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. And you know we we both got to see him at training camp. He looked impressive, like he was playing alongside. Uh, Like, I remember seeing him with Breezeball a little bit. I remember seeing him with Edler at certain parts of the practice as well. So I think that having that initial step, and that's something he talked about, was he wanted to, you know, gain, I guess, gain the attention of Canucks management. And, like, I, I mentioned to him, like, I had to laugh when I was talking about it with the conversation. I'm like, oh, you did that for sure. So I think that, you know, coming into camp this year, the thing that I loved, and I asked him about coming into camp, and he said, you know, the quote was that, like, it's his goal to show up and work hard, make that team, and it's a disappointment to him if he doesn't make that team this year. And I'm wondering, like, you know, with a guy like Brogan Rafferty, did he do enough last year to secure a spot, or do you think there still needs to be a little bit more out of him from a training camp in a preseason?
3: Well, I think I think Brogan's um, kind of surefire spot on the team, uh, out of on the big club, out of camp this year, is going to depend a little bit on what happens as far as roster moves. Mm. Uh, do we see Chris Tanev back? Do we see Troy Stetcher back? Is... Uh, Trampkin going to be brought in oh. uh you know I know we've we've seen your we've seen you on Twitter today about uh Trampkin Hey, and, just wait and, till uh, you listen back to this episode Corey <laughs> <laughs> I uh I, I in my opinion uh you know I was I was happy to see Trampkin get a get a look when he you know when he first came over and, and I had time to see him and and uh, I thought he showed reasonably well but do do I think uh coming into the you know the upcoming season should the team be signing him to uh to a contract and having him push a guy like Rafferty out of the way uh I'm not sure that I'm really on board with that I think you know Rafferty's 24 years old uh he's going to be 25 by the time the season starts he's a guy that you know he's going to want to be playing at the NHL level and the yeah. team's going to kind of need him to be there uh you know you don't want to say he's a finished product at the ahl level right now but he's got to be pretty close to it after the season that he had so you know i i kind of see him being a guy that's that's gonna be you know he's gonna be right there knocking on the door um i'd like to see him there in vancouver uh like i said it just i guess it's gonna depend on what what management does over this off season and what kind of moves yeah. they intend to make and what kind of moves they might have to make uh in order to be cap compliant and all the rest.
2: Absolutely. The The thing that I wanted to, I'm just going to read you one of those quotes because I want to get your opinion because I know you've seen him play a ton of games, obviously, every single game this year. Uh, you've seen every single game of his professional career, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, the question I got to ask, and I just want to read the quote and I just want to hear what you have to say about this. This is from Brogan Rafferty uh, talking about, I guess, what he likes to do in the offensive zone because this is where he thrives, right? He's, he's an offensive guy. So what he said was, whatever causes me a lot of stress or confusion on the ice I try to do that to the other team. That's something that I like to do because some confusion when we're, cause some confusion when we're in the offensive zone. How much do you see from that from him? Because he's, he's pinching at the right times. It seems like almost every time.
3: Well, that's just it. You hit the nail on the head. His pinches are well-timed and he goes in deep with his pinches too. (laughs) Like he's not a guy that's only going to pinch in a few feet off the blue line. He's down deep into the corner and sometimes in behind the net trying to set up a play and uh you know those kind of those kind of plays i think that that shows well for for how far his game has come from the start of the season to the end of the season just that that level of confidence that he's getting in in deep and he's got his head on a swivel looking to make a play now uh you know that you couple that with the fact that he improved his defensive game as well and that just he's a well-rounded 200 foot player and we saw that uh the, I, I mean the goal that i will call his goal of the year yeah. if it's not if it's not the comets goal of the year it's definitely his goal of the year where he uh you know end to end basically and and uh, poor joey keen got uh, danced around <laughs> and uh, that was something that he said uh when he was when he spoke about that goal afterwards is that uh, when he was coming in he he identified which player that was he knows uh you know that keen is a rookie as well a rookie defender and uh you know he he identified who he was going up against and and he did something that caused that player a lot of uh, a lot of trouble and uh and he scored a beautiful goal because of it so you know, Rafferty is a guy that uh, I, I think he self-evaluates uh, very yeah. well. I think he does a really good job of identifying the areas of his game that need improvement and the areas of his game that are strong. And, mm-hmm. and uh, being able to play to those areas of strength, I think that uh, that played a big part in the season that he had.
2: Yeah, and uh, to, to expand on that goal a little bit, when he came on the show here, he mentioned that he's played against Keene. Uh, In the past and as soon as he saw a forward down and saw that it was keen he knew that he could get around him he said Uh, So that's when he scored that outrageous goal this year and and yeah I mean like the the thing that we kind of Touched on I'm glad we've said it a few times in this conversation is an all-around defenseman You know because a lot of people are going to see the stat line and they're going to say oh this is an Offensive guy he's going to come in and do the offensive thing but you know Corey that if you want to make That jump from the AHL to the NHL you have to be well-rounded you have to be well-rounded enough in every position Like guys that are great defensively Like a Jalen Chatfield He's got to do something in his game That's going to get him to the NHL level It's kind of the same thing with Brogan Rafferty It's like, yeah, he can bring that offense to the game But he needs to be well-rounded enough in the defensive To get it there And I'm wondering, what do you think from that part of his well-rounded game Might be the weak point when you want to jump to the NHL Something that he wants to work on, I guess
3: I think just overall defensive awareness in his own end and i and I mean we're nitpicking here yeah. like i i am not saying this is a glaring weakness in his game uh but Rafferty wasn't really um given a ton of time on the penalty kill this year in Utica he saw some spot duty uh you know throughout the season he started to get a little bit more penalty killing time towards the end of the year uh when guys like Breezebois were were called up um and when Chatfield was called up, then he started to get a little bit of time on the penalty kill. But I think that's just. Uh, and again, we're nitpicking here. I'm not. I, I'm not saying it's a, you know, a, a big flaw in his game. But ju- just his overall defensive awareness in his own end, just having his head on on a bit of a swivel and just being a little bit uh, a little bit sharper with where everybody else is. But I think that's just part of. Uh, again you know at the start of the year it was at one level and by the end of the year it was it had taken great steps and and i expect the same sort of a progression from him when he gets to the nhl level you know guys are going to have a little bit of a, a, a adapt uh a period of of adapting to the game uh, to the next level and i think you know brogan showed pretty well in his two nhl games so far mm-hmm. and uh, i think that uh you know he'll probably be a little bit of time before he's looking like Broken Rafferty at the AHL level, at the NHL level, but I think he'll get there. I think I, I, I'm not saying he's going to be a guy that's going to be piling up 40 or 50 points a year uh, at the NHL level. But I do think he can be a guy that could probably hit that 30 35 point mark once he's up to speed and I think that's a pretty a pretty important player to have in the lineup.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I asked him what he thought his best skill was and it was passing. He said he likes to be able to look at the ice he's a general when he's out there and I mean we talked about the pinches a little bit in the offensive zone and you know creating animosity with the defense. I mean that's that's broken Rafferty's game right there pretty much and he's the one who says it like he knows that he understands what he can do to make that happen.
3: And again, that's a player that uh, self-evaluates well. He identifies the areas uh, of his game that are strong, and he uses that to his advantage. And And I think, you know, you can, you can say what you want about that, but I think that's a really important trait for a player to have. You know, if, if you know that you've got a part of your game that can give you an edge, you use that. Uh, you know, Justin Bailey isn't out there, you know... Uh, trotting around on the ice, plodding around. Yeah. When he's got the puck or when he doesn't have the puck, he's moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's because he knows that that's a, a strength okay. in his game. And, and uh, when Brogan Rafferty knows that he can, you know, saucer pass tape to tape at distance, uh, you know, and do it, you know, effectively and do it often. He knows that he can use that, and he uses it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I had to, uh, I had to check in with him a little bit because I know that once, once you goalies got talking when you were talking with Robert, you guys were just lolling over over what Mikey DiPietro does, and I thought, you know, this might just be the goalies, you know, staying together. But I asked him, and he said that, you know, Mikey's the first guy on the ice and the last guy off the ice, so it wasn't just your goalie love that uh, that came out in the article there, Corey.
3: Yeah, it's great to hear <laughs> that those, uh, you know. You've got, you've got two players there who came in, uh, you know, as pros together in DiPietro and Rafferty. And it's good to, it's good to have, uh, you know, that they've got a good relationship going down there. And, and those guys have each other's backs. And, uh, you know, defenders and goalies generally are going to get along pretty well together as long as that defender's <laughs> doing his job. So, uh, you know, I think those two get along quite well together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was good to hear about that relationship. I mean, those guys are... You know, you just love seeing all the stuff that Mikey's doing down there. I mean, the guy just brings a smile to everyone's face. It seems like.
3: Well, and it's the it's it's players like Rafferty and players like DiPietro that you know that this team is focused on. To and you know you got Pedersen, you've got Hughes, you've got Besser, you've got Horvat, you've got these players at the NHL level, players down in the in the AHL who get it. Yeah. You know, they're they're the players who know that they have to put in the extra work. As we've heard Travis Green say a million times, they're the players that you're going to win with. And, and uh, this team, I'm not saying they've got a bounty of them, but they're starting to uh, build a pretty nice collection of, of that kind of a player, you know, a really nice skill set and, uh, you know, the brains to to back it up as well and and you know the the actual passion for the game the drive to work that extra little bit harder in order to uh, to have success and and to be a part of a, a of a successful team and i think that's uh that's a good uh, feather in the cap of whomever it is that is identifying these players <laughs> for the team I won't get into the whole uh, Judd Bracket, Jim Beckett. Uh, we handled and, uh, that in the first uh, 30 minutes. Yeah, that was, that, that's a whole other road to go down, but uh, you know where I'm going with
2: that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure uh, it's funny that we do the comment segment and even Judd Brackett's getting brought up there. <laughs> it feels like over the last week uh, of, of Twitter. But, uh, Corey, before the Judd Brackett um, news, that kind of went crazy. Uh, it's, it's a tough turn to make, but uh, some horrible, just an absolute tragedy this week. We lost um, Zach McEwen's father, uh, Craig McEwen, um, passed away earlier this week. And I was just wondering if you wanted to just say a couple words, because I know you had a decent relationship with him as well.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to get through this without breaking up too much. Um, uh, losing Craig McEwen, uh, that was a it's it's a blow to me it's a much obviously a much larger blow to to his family um every conversation that i've ever had with zach or with craig or with juliana or with clifford or with uh, his uncle jeff um this is a really really tight-knit group uh family is everything to these people and uh you know to lose craig at he's 48 years old um you know, there's, he was a relative, you know, a healthy guy. He wasn't, uh, didn't have any kind of sickness sort of a thing going on. This was a sudden thing. Um, you know, you, you've got a 24 year old, uh, I'm going to call him a kid still because Zach's the same age as my youngest daughter, but you've got a 24 year old kid now that's, uh, you know, looking at trying to realize his, uh, all his dreams and goals that he wanted to share with his father, who was, uh, you know if he wasn't his best friend uh he was awfully close to it so right. those are experiences that uh zach really wanted to share with with his dad and uh you know he's he's not going to be able to do that in person anymore it's going to be an in spirit sort of a thing but uh uh you know it it's a pretty awful thing for a family to have to go through yeah. um it's a pretty awful thing for uh you know for for those of us who who knew craig on a different level than the family obviously i'm not going to pretend that craig and i were were the best of friends or anything like that but uh you know craig gave me my my very first opportunity to speak with he gave me a, the first opportunity to write the kind of story that I want to write, Uh, you know, I got to speak to not just the player, but to the family member of a player and find out, you know, that backstory. Those are the people that they're going to tell you the things that the, you know, the player maybe isn't going to, they're going to be, the player's going to be too humble to say about themselves. But there's stories there that, uh, you know, that are great to hear. And Craig gave me my very first opportunity to tell a story like that. And it's something I'll never forget. Uh, you know, I, I wrote in my article, uh, that for Canucks army that, uh, you know, it was great that I got to, uh, you know, go to this game and, and have my experience in the press box for, for a first time for an NHL game. But, uh, the best thing that came out of that is I, you know, I, I came away with a lifelong friendship w- with Craig and, and, you know, now that's been cut short and that, uh, that makes me pretty sad. And, uh, you know, uh, and I'm just a guy who, who you know, knew him a little bit. And uh, the outpouring that I've seen from friends and family of his on Facebook has absolutely been overwhelming. Uh, Zach wrote a, an a absolutely incredible Facebook post that uh, absolutely broke my heart to read. But he, man, did he ever hit all, it's so hard to find the right words. He found yeah. every right word in that uh that Facebook post and and did a fantastic job of summing up what kind of human being his father was and uh, I think I'm gonna have to stop there.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, Corey. I appreciate you just telling the story a little bit and you know coming from coming from the other end. Like I'm I'm a 24 year old, 25 year old guy. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine the loss that he's dealing with and you know the fact that you talk about that family being so tight. Uh, yeah, it's it's a horrible tragedy through and through, but I, I do appreciate you just kind of shedding a little bit of light on maybe some things that other people didn't know, or just even opening the door a little bit for it because we talked about it before we went to air. This is a this is a grieving time for the family. Uh, I'm sure that they. They, they appreciate the support that people are coming out with and saying on Twitter, but you know, it's, it's a lot different when, uh, when it's your family member, I think, but in the end it's, it's time for them to grieve, I think right now. Uh, but I do appreciate you just, just shedding a little bit of light. And, uh, and I know that, uh, that he helped change your life as well. And, that, and that's great to hear, you know, it's obviously sounded like a great man. And I think every hockey parent's dream is to see their kid play in the NHL. And the fact that he got to do that is, is pretty incredible. It's just a horrible tragedy. Uh, I said it before we went to air, like the. You know, there's so much bad in this world, but there's nothing worse than death. Still, in the end, and it's just horrible to see the way that this story played out. But you know, hopefully, they can work together as a family and and try and get through this this horrible situation.
3: Well, that that's one thing that uh, that I can say about the McEwan and Fleck clan. They are uh, they're a strong group, and uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's kind of what what Zach. I I've spoken with Zach briefly. Um, since this happened, um, and he basically said, you know, it's his dad was a, a strong man and, and an incredibly uh, good person, and, uh, and that's how he's going to be, be remembered going forward. And, and uh, that's that's just kind of that's where we're going to leave it, I guess, because I I I can't talk about yeah, this anymore, absolutely,
2: Corey. Yeah. Alright, Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and doing this on uh, the ride in the bus segment, and we will we'll have another conversation next week. So thanks for doing
3: this, Corey. Thanks again, Chris. Next week I'll be a much more cheerful person, I promise. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. Have a good week, Corey. Thanks, Chris.
2: And thank you very much to Corey Hergott for the Ride in the Bus segment. And our condolences go out to the McEwen family because, no, that's that's a horrible loss. I don't know what it's like, but I think I know a lot of people out there know what it's like to lose their father, and that would be one of the toughest things I could think about. So um, our condolences go out to the McEwen family. And we appreciate Corey being able to tell some stories, because I know Corey's you know, obviously, the relationship that he's had with the McEwen family is probably pretty, pretty public, and uh, that's that's a tough loss for him. And I, I mentioned it to Corey before we started recording. Like, I remember doing the episode right after Jason Botford passed, uh, with with nine people that I knew were close to Jason Botford, and I, I felt that conversation was difficult to have because. You know, it was someone that really, that I knew. Like, I knew Jason Botford. I I obviously loved his work. I I admired him. He was my hero and everything. But it was different to have that conversation with Corey because I I didn't know Craig the way that Corey did. So I appreciate Corey coming on our show uh, and sharing that story with us and our listeners. So... Tough transition to come away from that, and I, I almost hate to throw it to this, but we we need to talk about the other big situation that happened this week with Brandon Leipzig. Uh, quads, like obviously Brandon Leipzig, the DMs came released, 55 messages of him disrespecting women, talking about doing drugs, and, uh, and most importantly, disrespecting women, because that, that was kind of the main thing that we should take away from the situation, I think, is that this culture has developed for... <laughs> I don't know, probably 30 plus years. It's been around for as long as I've known that this has been around hockey. I've, I I talked to my mom about the situation and she remembers being in high school and having the same, the same attitude from some hockey players uh, at the time. And I know that not every hockey player is like this, but I think if that's your opinion on this situation, um, you aren't really addressing the problem that is at hand.
0: Yeah, like, I don't think anybody's saying it's every hockey player, you know, like, I I don't know, I, I don't think that's what that's what the message is here, it's, it's not, like, everybody knows that, you don't need to come out and say it, because mm-hmm. all you're doing when you say something like that is really just taking the attention away from what needs to actually be addressed, and that's that it's really a societal problem, and it happens everywhere, it's just a little more focused in hockey, but again, it's not every hockey player, like, at least Pedersen doesn't do this kind of stuff, like, Henrik and Daniel Sedin are perfect examples of what it means to be an exceptional hockey player and also, like, an exceptional man. And that's the thing. Like, we look. There's guys like Tanner Pearson. Again, like, somebody whose wife was targeted in these DMs. And, like, I don't know. When I look at it, I see that Tanner Pearson has two beautiful kids and he's got a beautiful wife who he loves. And what does Brendan Leipzig have? Like, hookups every other night? Good point. Sure. Really good point what's your what's your fulfillment in life like you know we can talk about this it's it's an open discussion here but like you know i to me that comes from a place of jealousy and insecurity um i think that's imma- obviously it was immature but i think what it comes down to is just really insecure insecurity from leipzig that he doesn't have that he doesn't have yeah. that real bond with anybody like he has I, a bond yeah. with somebody for a night and it's a physical bond and it's over and i mean if that's your thing, great Like, I, I get it, I get it, sure But, again, like, I in that moment You're just living for the pleasure of the moment And then your Insecurity shows when you start to You know, say these Comments about people who aren't Doing that, and actually have, like A family, and, you know, have an Actual connection with someone And are married, like, I don't know I just think it, it showed a lot of insecurity on Leipzig's part
2: Yeah, 100% it did. I think the the big one that stuck out to me was the, the comment about McDavid's girlfriend. And, you know, like, you see a picture of them, they're in a Halloween costume, and the thing that he's picking out is, like, how beat up her legs are. It's like, you are at such a level that's so low... Where you need to reach that hard to say that there's a bruise on her legs, like you're only out there to, to to absolutely have no respect for women when you come out and say a comment like that, and that's you know that's reaching to make a disrespectful comment. If you're at the point where you're reaching to be disrespectful, that is just a person that you know doesn't deserve the light of day in society, not only in hockey and and you know goodbye the Washington Capitals cutting him, uh, completely getting rid of him. Uh, his brother as well has been cut from a university team completely taken away from his scholarship because of these comments. And I think that that's the right move. Uh, all in all, like this, this hockey world has a lot of stuff that needs to be addressed. And I don't know where to go from here personally, because I, I just don't know, right? Like, I don't know. I, I'm fine to be informed with more. Uh, I thought Danielle put out an incredible article. One of our, one of our colleagues at Canucks army, she put it out oh, on yeah. her blog. I learned a lot just from reading an article like that. And I mm-hmm. think that, You know, someone that's willing to to be able to come out And teach men about certain situations like this Is is an incredible move by her Uh, We know that we love Danielle's work We think she's one of the best writers at Canucks Army I mean, it's nice for her to to write more articles, I think Because we haven't seen a ton in the past So I'm glad that she is actually going to start putting out Consistent articles with us Because I think that's a great move And, you know, like And even just what we saw from Georgia as well Putting out the t-shirts to support it Uh, Just incredible work by these women in sports And, um, you know, there aren't enough women in sports, I think And I think it's because the way that the, the sports world is. You know, there it's it's a lot of men, it's a lot of old white men. Um and I, I just I don't know enough to speak on it. I think other people will be in better situations to have the conversations here, but I'm always here to hear that conversation, you know?
0: Exactly. Like you can't be closed minded to this kind of stuff. Like I don't know. Like me personally, I didn't grow up with this, you know, include including including women in everything sort of thing. Like that's not, you know, my Experience but now I'm learning it And you know it's not a bad thing Like listen listen to what people have to say Like just just listen To the other people and you can Probably learn something I know I have
2: Yeah absolutely well you Know what like I, I hate I almost hate Giving even his name the light Of day but I think giving the situation the light of day Is the way to do it and I think some people are Carrying that torch right now uh, and like We mentioned you know we're both open to learn about it Because I think we, both of us have a lot to learn about The situation so that we can speak on it uh you know, with some confidence. Because I, I feel like I lack the confidence to speak on this situation just from from not knowing, I guess.
0: Yeah, I know. Me too. Like I, I mean, I'm done talking about it if you are. Like I think it's yeah. such a shitty situation.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Let's um let's do the thing that we've been wrapping up the show with over the past uh we started it last week. We're gonna continue it on for the next few weeks as well. Uh we're gonna talk about the players that are on expiring contracts And what we think the situation will be Moving into the future uh, Josh Levo is who we covered last week This week we're talking about Tyler Toffoli As we wrap up the show Tofoli came in and obviously found a perfect role with the Vancouver Canucks. He scored six goals, added four assists in his first ten games with the Canucks. He got an opportunity to play with JT Miller and Elias Patterson. He's here with his boy, the guy who was, you know, one of the the groomsmen, if not the best man at uh, at his wedding with Tyler with Tanner Pearson. Which is funny that he turns around back into this conversation in a way better way. But um, Tyler Tofoli He's an unrestricted free agent. He is currently making what is it, four point six? Yeah, four point six million dollars. Uh he's an unrestricted free agent at the age of twenty eight going into this offseason. I think a lot of people have turned. I think when they went out and signed him in the first spot quads, it was saying like he's a rental for the playoffs. But now, seeing how good of a fit he was with this team and how much he helped secure up this top six, do you think we're at the point now where it's it's one of the top guys that they need to sign, maybe just behind Jacob Markstrom?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like Exactly, like, if they bring him back, it's one of the best top sixes in the league. Like, hands down, you know, you've got Besser, and now you've got this guy. I just, I mean, it has to be priority number one, doesn't it? Again, right behind Jacob Markstrom, so I guess it's priority 1B, if you will. (laughs) Because Jacob Markstrom is probably... The most important free agent that this team has this offseason He's going to get a pay raise I don't know if he's going to go long term And again, like the same can be said for Toffoli How much does COVID-19 affect if these guys are cashing in on a big payday like, They're not on the same caliber as, say, a Taylor Hall Who's probably going to get a, what he deserves A long-term deal and a big pay, gra- pay raise I don't know if Toffoli going to get the same thing. And who knows? Maybe Markstrom won't either. Like, maybe this is the perfect storm for Jacob Markstrom to sign a one or two year deal like everybody's been talking about. Like, maybe this is what will do it.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing with Toffoli is I wonder, I wonder what he asks for. Not only, not only, you know, cap hit wise, but I wonder for years as well, because we touched on it earlier in the episode with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes' contract's looming, it's it's going to be tough to have another guy making well over $5 million when you already have a JT Miller, a Bo Horvat, a Brock Besser, and a Louis Erickson making over $5 million. Not to mention an Alex Edler and a Tyler Myers for the next foreseeable future. These guys are, are taking up a good portion of the cap. And I know that Tyler Toffoli should be taking up a port like a decent portion of your cap as well because he's going to be your, a top six forward for years to come. But it, it puts him in a situation where it's like, man... You know, when you start to look at some of the, the ideas that are out there about Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, like it's it's plausible to believe that they come in just under $20 million, if not at $20 million, right? With their combined salary. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see Tyler Toffoli here in this organization. I still find it hard without moving out another player. Like oh. without moving out of Sven Berthi, without moving out of Brandon Sutter, without having that little bit of boost on your cap flexibility... Like, I find it tough
0: to be able to even fit him in for not only next season, but moving into the future as well. I mean, yeah, dude, I'll say it again, though. Like, this is possible. And the way it's possible is the country are going to have to cut their losses, they're going to have to pair an asset with one of these anchor contracts, and they're going to have to ship it out. Like, they're going to have to give up from a place of strength in order to get that cap flexibility that they so desperately need in order to ice the best team possible. And that comes from cutting your losses with a Louis Erickson, with a Brandon Sutter, with, uh, you know, you even said Sven Berci. Like, one of these guys has to get paired with, say, a... For third-round pick, again, like, this is if we're talking about Berchi. Like, a third-round pick and Sven Berchi probably gets it done for a team yeah. like Ottawa oh, yeah. acquiring a third-round pick, like, that for sure gets it done. And again, like... It's scary gonna...
2: to give up a third, though, with the way that this
0: team has been giving away picks. That's exactly. the only thing for me. You're... But a third you're... does get it done. Exactly. You're totally right. You're totally right. Like, it's scary. But again, you know what else is scary? The thought of having Brandon Sutter on a fourth line with Jay Beagle for another season right. and Louis Erickson as well. Like... Come on, like that's a scary thought, if you ask me. <laughs> it is, and I think like the,
2: the Foley situation, it's going to be one of the more interesting ones to play off. Because you brought up earlier that um, that the COVID situation definitely brings brings, uh, I guess, like a mysterious feel to what this contract is going to come for a lot of people in the future. A lot of these contracts are going to be affected by this virus and how the way that it's affecting the NHL. Like, let alone whether we're gonna finish this season, or let alone whether we're gonna, you know, see the the next year start, like the next season start in December. Like, that's this is gonna be all stuff that's gonna be affected on these people's con on these players' contracts. And like, I would love to see Toffoli here. I think that Toffoli is the perfect guy to play with with a Horvat and a uh, Tanner Pearson. But I also know that you know Josh Levo can play that role, maybe not be so effective, but for a lot cheaper. And that's the only thing that scares me is the contract situation that we have. It's not. Like some people say, cap hell. It's not cap hell yet, but I mean, you're you're balancing it pretty tight, you know. Especially when you come in, if you want to get Markstrom signed, Markstrom's not coming in for probably under, like honestly, under four point five. If I like, he's not coming anywhere underneath four point five, no. and if he's on a longer contract, it's probably you know it's going to be interesting to see the money. I have no idea, but to Foley's probably not coming in at much of a cap drop. Like he's making four point six. I think the contract for Toffoli, if it's under four point six, is probably a pretty good one. You know, unless it's unless it's six years. Like if it's three years at four point six, that's that's pretty decent, I think, in the end. If you're already paying Brandon Sutters four point three, <laughs> like paying Tyler Toffoli four point six yeah, exactly. the next
0: three years isn't bad at all. Again, yeah, every contract looks great if you compare it to Brandon Sutter's. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So I guess
2: the final question I'll ask uh, before we wrap up the episode is about Tyler Toffoli. Is he back next year or not, Quads? What do you think?
0: I think so, I think so Mm -hmm. I think he's high up on the priority list I think if the Canucks want to have a good top 6 And again, how bad does it look on this regime If they trade away a Tyler Madden In a second round pick And get, what, 12 games out of Safoli? How long did he play for? I mean, obviously they can't predict that COVID's going to happen But, I mean, come on man like It's going to look bad on them if they can't re-sign him And it was going to look bad on them Even without COVID, if they couldn't re-sign him But it's going to look even worse Look
2: at what you just mentioned, Tyler Madden you package him up with Brandon Sutter That might get the deal done Second round pick You yeah. package that up with Brandon Sutter That probably gets the deal done exactly. you, know, you can get rid of Sven Berchi and Brandon Sutter's contracts With the picks that you gave up for Toffoli So I do agree with you on the fact of you know I think they're going to really go out and try and sign this guy I think that was a goal in mind when they traded for him When they gave up that high amount of value for Tyler Toffoli you know, the, the ultimate goal would be to have this guy continue on In your top six for years to come
0: Yeah, exactly, I totally agree with you
2: Alright man, well I think it's
0: been a fun episode It's been a long
2: episode Uh, I told you as every time we took a break uh, from an episode I'm sweating Uh, We've been getting into it pretty hard Uh, And I appreciate you guys for tuning in Appreciate the stuff that we heard from Corey Hergott today Um, And it's been a fun week uh, Fun week for us on Canucks Twitter It's been a fun week with you announcing that you're the managing editor uh, Of Canucks Army We need to apologize though, Quads You have to apologize actually You have to apologize to the Patreon supporters For the 5 and $10 tier Because you told them on the most (laughs) recent Patreon episode That they were the first to know When before I could even edit the Patreon episode And put it out You're tweeting about being
0: the managing editor of (laughs) Canucks Army So you owe them an apology right here on this podcast I do apologize folks So what happened was we made that episode And then my bosses texted me Right after it said oh yeah put out a tweet That you're managing editor I was like oh okay And like like I said to them I'm like when do you guys Want me to do it they're like oh now it's fine I'm like Oh okay like sure I'll, I'll put it out Now so that's what happened And that's why you were not the first to know But again like this could have been Solved if Kristen takes so long to edit Oh wow you're gonna turn This on me now eh? <laughs>
2: Coming from the guy who hasn't edited a show in the last three weeks Really,
0: Quads? Are <laughs> you going to come out and say that? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I know I've been, Your workload has been insane with these podcasts But don't worry, once yeah. uh, once the iMac gets here It'll be totally different um, Do you want
2: to quickly talk about Because um, a lot of people have been asking I saw even on your Canucks Army Mailbag uh, tweet uh, What is going to keep coming up With the Canucks Conversation Patreon Because obviously we're going to continue to put out bonus episodes For the $5 and $10 tier uh, but the idea when we launched it was You know somewhere where we can put our articles But now with you moving into the managing editor role uh, We are going to start bringing some stuff to Canucks Army I think we've had to talk with the higher ups um, and I think that some of the stuff that we want to do Is going to be on there but at the same time I want to continue To put out content for the Hell Patreon yeah. So you want to just address that a little bit like what you think we're going to do Moving forward
0: here? We're keeping it up Like you're going to get content from us and right now Like Corey's still with us at, at the Patreon and I'm working on a pretty good Story right now and again you're going to get these like Long reads like at Canucks Army I probably Won't be doing so much of those Like I'll probably be doing like Some quick analysis and stuff like that but you're going to be getting some long reads, like you saw with the Markstrom article. Like we're gonna we're gonna make sure you guys are taken care of if you're in the 169 tier, because that is very nice. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Omar,
2: James, Chris, Riot Survivor, Shelby, Marcus, Brad, Maya, Lisa, Jean, Adam, Danielle, Jacob, Blake, Thomas, Jackson, and Samantha, Philsy, Lucas, Carlos, Corey, Stefan. Quads apologizes. For, wow, for, you link, for, for giving you For giving you false information And making you think you were special By getting the information early So I apologize on David Quadrelli's behalf As we wrap up this show
0: Wow those aren't even our 169 subscribers Those are just the 5 and 10 eh
2: Those are the, those are the audio ones Those are the wow. free audio
0: Who thought they were getting inside information Just to be let down by a tweet
2: <laughs> wow. from from Quadrelli on Twitter Jeez, So we'll I wrap up the show right there
0: You're taking so long to edit You're really harping on me now
2: Let's wrap up the show right there for David Quadrelli. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation.
1: Hold up.